Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Uh, First off, I want to address that, yes, this is another audio over the top of the thumbnail. It's just a way to get this recorded, make sure that I don't miss a video, because as I go throughout my day, I never know when I might have time to set up. Like What you guys don't see is, well, (laughs) what you see in the videos is uh, I set that all up. I put up a the backdrop and I have to get dressed and everything and with me working the 12 hour shifts especially on Saturdays and Sundays sometimes I have to record on Friday to have this video up for you on Sundays um so like you I just want to make sure I get this out so I'm taking this time to just kind of sit here like I do on the podcast uh and just record an audio for you right here off my couch with my podcast recorder and then I'll just put the audio over the top of a video of uh, the, the thumbnail and make sure I get this out for you. So um, over on the podcast, this isn't making any sense to you because this is just what you normally get. But over on the videos, they're just seeing a the thumbnail with me talking. So um, before we get started, let's do like we always do here on Sundays. Uh, And I hope you guys do every day. Just bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts He's given us. You know, He gives us so very much, right? He gives us, there's nothing we go throughout our day that is not because of Him. You know, I pity people, and you've probably heard me say this before, but I pity people who say they do everything on their own. Because that takes a lot more faith than what I've got, amen? So let's bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For everything that you've done for us, we thank you for the fact that we've gotten up and this morning and we've been able to get out of bed, that we're able to walk and talk, that we're able to breathe and eat and do all these things that we do throughout our day. The energy that we've had to be able to get up and go do our jobs, the fact that we made it through our day at our job, we thank you for all of that. We thank you for the air that we breathe, the food that we eat the children that we have, the wives and husbands, and we thank you for all of that because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have any of it. And we realize this, and we realize that there are things that I haven't even mentioned that we have because of you. And we thank you, Father. We thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who you sent so long ago to give us a closer, meaningful relationship with you. In his precious name we pray. Amen. So, like I said again, I just want to say welcome back. Now, if you're if this is your first time viewing in on the videos or the podcast, first off, I want to apologize if this is your first time on the videos because you're not seeing me, right? Um, you're just hearing this. But what I want to do is just before we even get started, I want to ask you to go back and watch and get caught up because we are here in chapter 26. And this is just basically what we do, guys. We, we take the book, a book of the Bible and we break it down book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And yes, sometimes word by word because words do change meaning over time. And I just want you to get a, you know, a fullness of, the, of, of Genesis. That's why I'm, I'm saying now if you haven't already, go back and watch all the other videos. Get caught up here to, to chapter 26 because we're continuing our reading and review of the book of Genesis. Now, if you've already watched it or listened here on the podcast, you know that last week we were reading right where Esau sold his birthright 
to his brother Jacob because Esau was the firstborn technically. So he was supposed to get the birthright. He was supposed to get all of that. But he sold it to his brother Jacob. And I want you to keep in mind why. Because I'm sure that you already remember. But he sold that birthright to Jacob for what? For a bowl of stew. So keep that in mind. Okay, and let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 26. We're going to read the entire chapter, verses 1 to 35. <coughs> it says, And there was a famine in the land, beside the, fast, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac went into Abimelech, king of Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not, go not down into Egypt, Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked him and his, of his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say, She is my wife. Lest, said he, the men of the place shall, should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at, looked out at a window, and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac, and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife. And how saidst thou, She is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, what is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lain with thy wife, and thou shouldst have brought guilt, guiltiness unto, upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land, and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great, and went forward, and grew until... He became very great, for he had possession of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the day of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there, there, found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well, and strove for that also. And he called the name it Sitna. And he removed from thence, and digged another well, and for that the strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. 
For he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee, and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzoth, sorry, I'm butchering that, one of his friends, and Fickal, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We, we saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no harm, uh, it says hurt, but I'm sorry, and we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace, thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink, and they rose up, but, but they rose up betimes in the morning, and swear one to another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. And Esau was forty years old when he took the wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bishamoth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which was a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. So what we usually do here, after we get done reading, right, we go back and we reread the first, the first verse that we read. So we're going to reread verse 1, okay, which says, sorry, I'm using a computer Bible. When I'm doing these, I don't use my paper bible i use a computer one because it's easier it says and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of abraham and isaac went unto abimelech king of the philistines unto gerar it tells us right that there was a famine in the land so once again we see that the promised land forces the uh, the beneficiaries if you will, of the covenant to leave so so that they can escape a famine. And remember, back in chapter 12, there was a famine during Abraham's time. But Abraham was not forbidden from fleeing to Egypt, was he? But we see here that Isaac is. He's forbidden to go there. So no, here we see God make Isaac trust in him to provide, telling him not to do like everyone else. I mean, besides... This was the land that God had promised to Abraham and his descendants, right? So, who does who 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 does Isaac go to? We see him go to Abimelech. Now, let me make it clear. I'm going to clear up a misconception here because there are a lot of people who think that this is the same one. But I think that this was a different Abimelech. Okay? I think that the one we're reading here is just a different Abimelech. I think that Abimelech itself was just a Philistine, you know, 
dynastic title, if you will. Kind of like what we saw with Caesar, because there was originally a Caesar, and then a Caesar became Caesar became the title of the king, right? Now, he was the king of the Philistines. Philistines is a tribe of people that were known to sail in the Mediterranean Sea. They became a fierce enemy of the Israelites when they settled along the coast of Palestine. Here, what do we see? We see that they were friendly with Isaac. These people here, they're the forerunners of the men who, who would become the enemy. In the next few verses, we're going to see Isaac show some shades of his old man here. Okay? I mean, Abraham. He uses some of the same strategies that Abraham did. He was in, you know, this, uh, for lack of a better word, juxtaposition of obedience and deceit right obey god by dwelling in the land okay but he lies he lies about his wife to the people of the land just like his father did okay so let's go look at verse two now and the lord appeared unto him and said go not down into egypt dwell in the land which i shall tell thee of right the Lord appeared unto him. How? Well, we're never told, are we? It could have been in the vision. It could have been a dream. And this, of course, happened when he was in Gerar. God tells him, go not down into Egypt. Remember, that's what Abraham did before. So this is where Isaac thought, you know, he should go. That's apparent. Egypt was a fruitful country. In fact, if you look at the Targum of Jonathan, it says, and it was in the heart of Isaac to go down to Egypt. So we're reading that God, you know, the Lord, appeared to him, told him, don't go there. This could have been partly, you know, to try his faith. You know, and his dependence on God's providence for support. Also, he, he might have thought about, you know, staying there. And, you know, be unmindful of the promise of the land of Canaan. You know, because that was supposed to go to Abraham's seed, right? So God tells him, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. This would have been the land of Canaan, you know, where he was now. God was about to give him an account of the promise uh, of, of that, you know, the land of Canaan to Abraham and his seed. And to renew to him the seed, you know. We read on as we read on we see God confirm the covenant with Isaac. He stresses the same elements that he did last time. The land, the seed, the blessing, all of it. He gave honorable mention to Abraham's obedience. Right? Now, don't get it confused. Yes, God does command Abraham or commend, I'm sorry, Abraham for his deeds. But the Abrahamic covenant was the one that is unconditional it is grounded in god's sovereign will i want you to take a look with me we're going to look at leviticus chapter 26 all right give me a moment i'm using this digital bible again verses 44 to 45 and yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. 
neither will I abhor them, to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I will for the sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. Right? So, let's look at uh, verse 3 now. Reread that one. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee, and unto thy seed, I will give all these countries. And I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Sojourn in this land. Like I said, this is speaking about the land of Canaan. Which is <laughs> where he already is. Now, this would be either, you know, there in Gerar, which even though it is in the land of the Philistines, was part of Canaan. And is the place, you know, like I said, where he already was. It's where he lived. Or maybe it means another part of it, you know, where he should, you know, maybe he should go over there. However, however you want to look at it, it is just saying that God did not want him to leave Canaan. Remember, Abraham was very careful that Isaac not leave this land while he was still alive. The verse goes on to say, And I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. So Isaac would have the protection of God, you know, because he would be there with him. He would also have the supplies that he needed to stay alive, as well as all the spiritual blessings, you know, eternal life, happiness, all of that. The verse goes on to say, For unto thee and to thy seed, will I give these countries that means the land you know that they're inhabiting you know the, at the time of the Philistines I mean Canaanites you know and also all the other tribes the verse goes on to say I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father that would be the oath concerning the promise of the Messiah you know to come from him and his seed the gift of the land of Canaan to him as well and also the multiplication of them that we saw back in Genesis chapter 22 verse 16. Much like Isaac here, right? God wants you and me to depend on him. You know, whenever we're in crisis, we should depend on God. We should depend on God even when we're not in crisis, but we should always be depending on God. What these verses are saying is do not compromise with this world. You hear me say that all the time. Do not compromise with this world. Stay away from the famine, right? God's telling Isaac to just depend on him. That he would see him through it. And he did. He did just that. And all Isaac had to do was trust in him. God tells him that he swore to give him that land, right? Alright, we're going to look at verse 4 now. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth. What? What does he say? Be blessed. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. This means, you know, through the line of Jacob. You know, if not only through him. Remember, it was through him 
that we get those 12 patriarchs the heads of those tribes you know the 12 tribes right in the process of, in the process of time those 12 tribes they became numerous like the verse says even as the stars of heaven then the verse says and i will give unto thy seed all of these countries this is repeated from the previous verse why so that it can greatly confirm it the verse goes on to say and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed this again is speaking of the messiah the messiah who would come from him and you know take a look at let's look at a verse real quick let's look at genesis chapter 22 verse 18 And in thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed me. That's God speaking to Abraham there, right? But also, let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 25. Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our father, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Okay? That's my wife's phone you're hearing ringing. Her mother's calling her. This right here was God's promise. It was spoken all over again. This time it's not spoken to Abraham though, right? It's spoken to Isaac. The same promise that was given to his father Abraham. Like I said, this is an eternal promise to the physical Israel as well as you know the spiritual israel right let's go look at verse five now because that abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge my commandments my statutes and my laws we see god saying because that abraham obeyed my voice abraham had obeyed what god said and he did it in all things especially when it came to uh offering up his son as god told him to remember the verse says and keep my charge meaning whatever god told him to do right i mean when we look at what aben ezra wrote he thinks that this means you know just in general especially with what follows when it says my commandments my statutes my laws these of course are the moral laws the ceremonial laws and even the civil and judicial ones all of them that God had commanded him to observe and he did it carefully it's interesting when you look at this because when we look at it it, it, it doesn't seem that these are to be looked at you know like they're joining together does it it makes it sound like the obedience of Abraham was the reason that these promises were made to Isaac but it isn't it's mentioned so so that it's an example to isaac to kind of stir him up you know to do the same thing like god saying this is what your father did i want you to do the same thing don't forget when abraham first met god he was not a believer was he god came to him and he made a charge he told him to leave or the chaldees to go where he would send him and we read of course that you know abraham did just that god commanded him on how to live and again 
Abraham obeyed him. He followed all the commands of God down to the letter. He started circumcision. He kept the laws of God. And because of this, we see Abraham pleased God. As we read on, we will read about you know the, this king, Abimelech. And like I said, this is a different Abimelech. Unlike his ancestor, you know, how, how God revealed the true relationship of Abraham and Sarah, this Abimelech discovers the truth on his own. He witnesses an, uh, how do I say this, intimate caress. And this told him that Rebekah and Isaac were indeed married. He sees it while he just happens to be looking out of a window, right? So let's look at verse 6. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. That's simple, easy to understand. Means he just stayed where he was told. He was obedient. God told him to stay stay there, so he did, right? Easy, simple, and easy, right? Verse 7. And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She's my sister. For he feared to say, She's my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca, because she is fair to look upon. So, look at that. Just look at it. It says, And the men of the place asked of his wife, meaning the men of Gerar, they asked him, you know, who is she? Is she his wife? A relative? You know, they're not asking civilly. No. They want to know, you know, hey, where does she stand with you? They're lusting after her. This this question, though, does show some restraint. It shows us that they're not so abandoned in their lust that they're going to act on them. No, not not if you know not if she's some man's wife. It shows us that the sin of adultery was detestable even to these heathens, but fornication, oh, they would have acted on that. The verse tells us, and he said, she is my sister. Hmm. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isaac is acting just like his father here. Remember, Abraham was in the same boat, and he gave the same answer. It reminds me of something that my dad used to tell me, you know, that I repeated to my kids. Do you know how I know you're lying? I told that same lie right it makes me wonder if isaac knew what happened in that situation i mean it is possible right and if he did how did he fall into that same evil think about it he doesn't have anything to back up his lie abraham did she was abraham's half-sister the verse goes on to say, For he feared to say, She is my wife. And that is true. Right? But the Bible tells us that the fear of men brings on a snare. We see here that it led Isaac to this, and good men are not always free from this fear. Okay? The verse tells us, Lest, said he, meaning, of course, He's saying this to himself in his own mind, right? In fact, the Targum of Jonathan tells us that he thought it in his heart. The verse says, 
the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah. He's afraid. He's afraid that they're going to kill him so that they can marry her, meaning either one of them. This makes it seem like they did not have, you know, a great sense of the sin of murder. Like like they did apparently of adultery. The verse goes on to say, because she was fair to look upon. He was afraid that her beauty would be a temptation to them, that it would stir up impure desires for her. So so that they could, you know, please themselves. And he was afraid that they would kill him. So we can tell what? That Rebecca had retained her beauty, even though she had been married for, I don't know, maybe 40 years at this point. I just find it interesting that he uses the same exact words that his father did. I just can't get over that. He said, she is my sister. The only difference was that Abraham at least told a half-truth. Sarah really was his half-sister. Rebecca is only his second cousin. The fear that Isaac is feeling here is not a fear of God. In fact, it's ungodly, right? So anyway, let's go look at verse 8 now. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. So we see that Abimelech, like I said, and I think I said this earlier, but it bears repeating, I think that this is just a Philistine dynastic title, okay? Kind of how, like I said, Caesar started as the name of a man, but then it became a title because of how great Caesar was. It's evident that this was not, and I repeat, not the same Abimelech. It's not the same Abimelech that Abraham encountered here, okay? That was 97 years earlier. I think what we're reading here is that Abimelech, right, looked out of his window. He was in in his palace just kind of hanging out. He looked out of a window, and it must have been somewhere near where Isaac and Rebekah were living. And I think that he did this, you know, accidentally. I don't think he was curious. I I don't think that he had any kind of attention of spying on them, okay? We read that he saw Isaac, as the verse says, sporting with Rebekah. Now, sporting is a very old word, and basically it just means they were having fun together. They were laughing, they were joking, you know, maybe... They, he was playfully chasing his wife around or something. He, he was just being free with his wife. Either way, we see that Abimelech knew by what they were doing that they were not brother and sister. Just because of how they were acting with each other, right? Most likely he saw something that would only be lawful between a man and his wife. Maybe he was embracing her, kissing her, you know, things like that. We can be sure that whatever our sins are, they're going to be outed, okay? What happened with Isaac here cannot be covered up. And sure enough, Abimelech caught him. He found out that they were indeed husband and wife, right? All right, let's go look at verse 9 now. Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she is thy wife. And how saidst thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. Lest I die for her. 
Uh, it says, read it again. It says, and Abimelech called Isaac. Called. It says called. No, 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 not on the cell, not on the telephone. Okay, he most likely just sent a messenger telling Isaac, "Hey, I want to talk to you." It says, and said, "Behold, of a surety, she is thy wife." I think he told that he told him right, right, what he'd seen, what he saw them doing, and again, I feel that what he saw made it clear that you know they must have been husband and wife. Or he, he would have never taken such liberties with her. Correct? The verse says, And how saidst thou, she is my sister? Meaning, what reason do you have for saying that? What could have you know induced you to saying that? The verse says, And Isaac said unto him, Remember, remember, Isaac did not have the same relationship with Rebecca that his father Abraham had with Sarah. What did he say? Because I said, again, remember, he's speaking of him talking to himself or, you know, thinking it, right? Because he did not say this to someone lest I die for her. Like I said earlier, he was worried that he would be killed so that, you know, someone else could enjoy her. He was afraid to lose his life. And it was this fear that made, or I should say led, him to take the steps that he did. So he said that, you know, she's my sister, right? Verse 10 now, let's look, let's look at verse 10. And Abraham said, what is this thou hast, I'm sorry, I said Abraham. <laughs> and Abimelech said, what is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lined with thy wife. And thou shouldst be shouldst have brought guilt guiltness upon us. And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done unto us? You see, by being suspicious and jealous, by assuming that these people are bad men, he, he was exposing them to temptation, to commit iniquity. Wasn't he? You know, by him lying, one of these men might have gone and you know done something horrible. And that would have been, you know, because of what uh, he said. So Abimelech asks him, What have you done to us? What have we done? Is it in our character? Why would you act like this? Then we read, One of the people might, ha might lightly have lain with thy wife. You see, like I said earlier, it would have been criminal. It would have been criminal for them to have laid with someone else's wife. Remember, they assume she's single. Why? Because of that lie. In fact, when you look at what is said, this led Jarky to interpret this as Abimelech, you know, speaking of himself. Not only that, Targum Jonathan the same way. Both of them say that Abimelech was thinking of taking her to his own bed. Okay? The verse then says, And thou shouldst have brought guiltness upon us. If they had slept with her, they would have committed adultery. This shows us that even among the heathens, this was considered heinous. It would have brought on them, you know, due punishment. Okay? Let's go to verse 11 now. 
And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And says that Abimelech charged all of his people be put to death. Think about this. We're seeing a pagan king imposing the death penalty on anyone who's thinking about causing any trouble for Isaac or Rebekah. It suggests that God was at work here, doesn't it? Preserving his chosen people. Speaking of that, let's take a look at Psalms chapter 105, verses 14 and 15. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. We see Abimelech, right, recognized quickly that, hey, this is Isaac's wife. This is not his sister. And I'm sure that Abimelech was (laughs) very angry, because if anyone had slept with Rebekah, it would have caused some serious trouble. We know from earlier, God would have punished them. And he would punish them severely. This also shows that Abimelech was afraid of God. So he warns his people not to harm these two. They are God, they are under God's protection. Now, as we read on, we see that Isaac was, you know, he was content. He was content to stay there. He was content to farm in the land. We see his efforts are blessed by God. But they were also envied by the Philistines. Go to verse 12 now. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Isaac sowed in the land and received a hundredfold. Even with a famine going on, as well as the persecution of all this, because, you know, he obeyed God, as well as him being the promised seed, a hundredfold. That was one bountiful crop, wasn't it? It was overabundant. I mean, come on, a hundredfold? That is one tremendous return on an investment. He had to plant the seed before God could even bless the harvest. This can be a great lesson to all of us. You're not going to get a crop if you don't plant the seed. Amen? Verse 13. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. It says, and the, sorry, my nose has stopped up. And the man waxed great. Waxed, of course, here is meaning he grew. Sorry. He grew great, meaning he became great. He became rich, right? He, he had a lot. As well as, you know, the honor and the glory as well, you know, among the men of the land. The verse then says what? It says, and went forward, meaning he went out into the world in the increase of worldly things. The verse goes on to say, and grew until he became very great. He just became richer. Remember, Abraham, his father, was also left, you know, had also left him with a lot. He, he had a lot because of him. Abraham was very rich. He had a lot of cattle, a lot of gold and silver. And Isaac just increased, especially since he came to Gerar. 
where he became more and more rich until he had become like exceedingly rich. You know, he was the greatest man in that country, even greater than Abimelech himself. How do we know this? Because of what we get later in verse 16, right? So let's go ahead and look at verse 14 now. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants and the Philistines envied him, right? He had possession of flocks and herds. This is an uh, this is an understatement. <laughs> he had many, 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 many flocks of sheep and herds of cattle and oxen and asses and camels. And as I've said many times, these were the riches of men at that time. The verse goes on to say, and great stores of servants. He had a lot of servants to look after these things, right? As well as his farming. Jarky actually interprets it as much tiliag, much land, many farms, many fields, many vineyards, things like that. Okay? Things to cultivate, you know, that they would require a lot of servants. The verse goes on to say, and the Philistines envied him. Well, he was prosperous. He had great success. His land, they were great. They were bringing forth a lot of fruit. He was experiencing an increase in his flocks, his herds, his servants. It made him great, honorable. God had blessed him abundantly. Not once, but over and over and over again. God continued to bless him. And because of this, he was, and I'm of put emphasis on this word extremely wealthy he had large flocks he had large herds a lot of servants he was so wealthy that the philistines his neighbors had become jealous i cannot say that this is a healthy situation that he was in okay verse 15 now For all the wells which were his which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. Remember that well that we read Abraham and Abimelech discussing? Remember that? Look at this. All the wells stopped them. Consider this. Water was so precious in that desert. That well was essential to life. And what are we reading here? Someone plugged it up. That's disastrous. That is an act of serious aggression. This would lead to wars. If Isaac wanted to, he could have retaliated. But he doesn't, does he? He just digs a new one. As we've seen the next few verses... I'm sure we can all relate to it. Jealousy can lead people to do strange things. These wells that they buried, those could have been used to help everyone. But no, no, no. They just fill it in. Destroying them for absolutely no reason at all. Think about it. Did filling that well in do anybody any good? No. If you, if you go online and look it up, 
You can find Israel till this day, still to this day, redigging those old wells. Verse 16. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. He says, as we read, And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us. Now, this could have been for a number of reasons, okay? He could have just been giving Isaac advice, you know, for his own good. As well as, you know, the peace of his own kingdom. Or, it could have been him just commanding Isaac, leave this land. You know, having some secret envy in himself. Or maybe he was jealous. Jealous of the power, the wealth that Isaac had. The verse says, for thou art much mightier than we. Meaning, in his riches and his goods. The Targum of Jonathan actually adds to this in number. You see, his family had increased. His servants, they'd grown numerously. Many, many, many of them. They're being born in his house. Abraham, he had 318 trained servants in his house. That's what we read. We read that in um, Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. And now... Now we have no idea how many Isaac had, but there must have been a lot of them. Because we're seeing Abimelech is afraid. Now, you know that I um, sometimes <laughs> like to add what add to what others have said. Well, there are some who try to interpret the words as thou hast increased or Thou hast got much from us and by us. So they're telling him, it's time for you to leave. Either way you take it, the Philistines, they ask Isaac to leave. So Isaac leaves. He was not mightier in number, okay? He just had God on his side. He was mightier in wealth and blessings of God, right? Let's look at verse 17. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. Right? Isaac departed thence, meaning he left. He left right, as soon as he told him to, he left. He kept the peace, stayed quiet, even though he was the one at the disadvantage. And he lost, I'm sure, a lot. He didn't argue. He didn't take up arms. He just left he departed right at that moment as soon as he saw that the king and his people wanted him to go he left do you know what this shows us it shows us just how peaceful isaac was right it says and pitched his tent in the valley of gerar and dwelt there this was some distance away from the city of gerar this was what jarky says josephus says that it was not too far away. Okay? But we cannot be too certain how far away it was. But we can guess. We can guess that it was still in the same country. I mean, it could have been on the border. You know, I saw where some say that it, sh it should say the Brook of Gerar. Maybe this verse, you know, saying that he pitched his tent and he lived on the brook. I mean... I guess that's possible. 
the word does signify a brook as, you know, well, you know, as well as a valley. And we do know that there was a book, brook of Gerar. We do see Solomon mention that, okay? So, let's go look at verse 18 now. Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. These are the same wells that we read back in verse 15. Why do I say that? Because we didn't read what? For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. Just like I said earlier, the servants of Abraham dug these wells when Abraham lived in Gerar. This tells us they did not stop them up when he was alive. Right? It says once he died. They, so after they became envious, envious of Isaac, because they, you know, watched him prosper. They're thinking that they would stop him from benefiting. But how? Now, now they couldn't even use them. It's, it's, it makes no sense. The verse goes on. And he called their names after the names by which his father called him. He did this out of respect. Out of respect for his father. To preserve the memory of his father. As well as to, you know, make his own title and his own claim to him. Verse 19, and Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. The verse starts off with, and Isaac's servants digged in the valley. The valley of Gerar, right? This is made expressly said in the Septuagint. The verse goes on to say, and found there a well of springing water, or living water. Because it continually flows. Aben Ezra rightly interprets it this way. This is why this phrase is used of the perpetual and ever-living graces of the Spirit of God. Take a look. John chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God... And who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Right? You see, these people, they're jealous. They're so jealous that all they did was cause Isaac trouble. So he left. So he left so that he could just get away from it. But he did not go far. No. He went to the valley, and as we know, Abraham, his father, had dug these wells, and, and he got a lot of abundant water, right? Here in this area, a good well of water would have been extremely valuable, more valuable than gold. The land was fertile, but dry. Water makes this land like a garden. They had plugged these wells out of spite, like duels. They, they could have used these wells for themselves. Water is something that is needed. Isaac, he knew right where these wells were. So he just dug them anew, didn't he? 
And you know what? They found water. But it was a flowing spring of water. These wells, they, 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 they produce profusely. Okay? Alright, verse 20. And the herdsmen of Gerard did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. They strove with him. The herdsmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdsmen. This is saying that they were around the well that they dug in the valley, right? And this right here shows us that it was near Gerar, or it was at least on the border. And that made it a disputing point. Who does it belong to? The verse says, saying the water is ours. So even though the well was dug by Isaac's servants, they laid claim to it. The water, that is. Pretending that it was their ground. Because it was on their borders. The verse says, And he called the name of the well Isaac. Isaac actually means contention. And the reason for the name actually follows. Because they strove for it. They wrangled. They, they contended. They disputed with him about, you know, who does this water belong to? These, encamp these encampments, like Isaac, means contention. And Sitna which we see later, means enmity. These led to the, the spacious and fruitful places of uh, Rehoboth, which means plenty of room. Isaac had many, many struggles. But you see, we can identify with him, can't we? In doing so, we hopefully see how God worked in the life of an average man. These herdmen of Gerar, they had this place to themselves. You know, at least before... Isaac come along they could have dug these these wells themselves but did they no they waited until after Isaac's herdsmen dug these wells and then they laid claim to them I firmly believe that if they had been able to take these wells from Isaac's herdsmen they most likely would have dried up alright verse 21 And they digged another well and strove for that one also and called its name Sitna. We just, we just talked about Sitna, didn't we? Read the verse again. And they digged another well. This is talking about Isaac's servants again. The verse goes on. And strove for that also. Again, we see the herdsmen of Gerar. They're disputing their right again to another well. They strove to get it from them. The verse says, and he called the name Sitna. Sitna actually means hatred. This is speaking of hatred and malice that these herdsmen are showing him. How, how they gave him so much trouble. It's the word that Satan got his name from. These men were of a diabolical spirit, weren't they? They were envious. They were spiteful, malicious. Isaac was a man of God. He voluntarily moves to another spot. And we'll see in the next verse, and this reminds us of uh, the Lord's teaching. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 40. And if any man will sue thee of, at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Alright, um, this will be the final verse for today. We're at verse 22. 
um, which reads, And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not, he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Look at that word there, Rehoboth. It literally means room enough. We finally see a well that was dug, and there's no quarrel erupting over it. Now that they were no longer being seen, you know, as encroaching on another person's territory, he selected an appropriate name for this place. And that reflected how he saw God, you know, working out their situation. You know, his patience, if you will, had paid off. God blessed him. He gave him another well. These other herdsmen, they have water now. So they left Isaac alone. He gave God credit for finding the well. He realized, you know, whatever he, wherever he went, doesn't matter where he goes, God is always going to bless him. And that's something else that you and I can learn. Because there are so many people who, they won't leave a spot, right? Because, oh, that's where God blessed me. God will bless you wherever you go. Every one of us has our place called there. We just have to find it. Where is your place called there? You know, I've, I've talked about this before, but there was a guy, uh, me and him, we don't talk anymore, you know, for reasons beyond it. But he mentioned to me one time how he felt God was calling him to go do something. And he starts telling me, and, and he came to me because of, you know, sermons in the park. He, he, he watched, he, he, he became a uh, follower for a little while. Uh, <clears throat> but he, he came to me for, to talk, to counsel. And he was talking to me about God had called him to do something. I'm not going into detail on it, but it was, it involved him preaching. But he was telling me about how God called, he felt God calling him to do this and all his family, this and that, and his mom, this and that, and his dad told him this and that and all this. And then after he goes on for this for about a good five, 10 minutes, he goes, so what do you think? And I looked him dead in his face and I'm not, and I'm not kidding. I said, you lost me when you said that God called you to do it. Because if God's telling you to do something, that's what you need to do. You know, wherever God calls you to go, that's where you go. God will bless you anyway. He will He, he, he will always take care. Like, like you see in these stories, he takes care of them. As long as they go where he tells them to go. He will bless you. Anyway, so I want to thank you all for joining me here. Um, yes, this is a two-parter, so we'll finish this one up next week. Um... Um, I'm actually recording this on Friday evening, uh, but it will be up on YouTube Sunday morning, as well as uh, up on you know the podcast Sunday morning as well. I'll be uh, uploading the podcast Saturday night. The YouTube video I'll be putting up here shortly after I get it all edited together, but it will not be available to watch until Sunday morning. So. Thank you all. May God continue to bless you and keep you, and I hope to see you all here soon. Love you. Oh, thank you.